Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement, it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you, your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as TOCPublicRelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice. But you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. This episode is also brought to you by my new friends over at RTI Training, giving you the type of training that incorporates humor and knowledge that cops respond to. Listen, we all know that you will never retain anything thanks to death by PowerPoint. So do yourself a favor and check out the new kids on the block when it comes to police training. They are revelationstraining.com. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So... Go to the app store of your choosing and download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook and order online at thinvine.wine using the code 108TEN, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. Oh, and one last thing, guys. This week, we have a brand new sponsor that I want to tell you about, especially those of you doing the jiu-jitsu thing. We have Fuzz Tape. What is Fuzz Tape? Well, it's jiu-jitsu tape for those people that don't take themselves so seriously. It's designed by cops who train, but it's made for everybody. It is finger tape. It protects your fingers from getting injured. It comes in rolls of four and in four different sizes. Also, they have clothing. They have lifestyle products available as well, and they're also accepting sponsorships. So go check them out. They're on Instagram at Fuzz Tape, and if you want to buy some of their stuff, you can use the discount code 108FUZZ, T-E-N, the number 8, F-U-Z-Z, T-E-N, the number 8, F-U-Z-Z. And again, they are on Instagram. They are Fuzz Tape. Check them out. This week on the 108 Podcast, who will bring the mac and cheese with Dexter Pitts? 
I'm not trying to be a social media influencer. It's been a rough couple years, bro. I'm like, man, I'm tired. I'm trying to be a voice for people that feel like they might not have a voice. Is it because I'm black? I cross the street when I see you, man. And I remember getting out and just being so lost. Like, what am I going to do with my life? My life falls apart. You know, I start battling, struggling with suicide. Man, I was going to kill myself or somebody was going to kill me for me. Hoping that somebody was going to get out of the car and shoot me because I didn't have the courage to shoot myself. Chain of command steps in and saves my life. What we can all identify with is struggle. People telling me an uncle Tom and a coon because I'm a cop and I'm just like, people don't even know me, man. They're not going to hold a paycheck over me in exchange for my liberty and my freedom. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the 108 podcast. And I know what you're thinking. That does not sound like 108. And if it is 108, then gone black for Black History Month. Well, it's not 108. Although 108 does have the foreverhood pass for me and all the brothers. You know what brothers I'm talking about. If you don't know what brothers I'm talking about, you need to go back and listen to 108's Black Cops episode. So make sure you do that. But this is me. Dex from the I Am Pitts podcast and the author of I Am Pitts Memoirs of an American Patriot. So you see your boy 10-8 reached out to me and said, hey, man, I want you on my show. And I also want you to do me a little favor. Can you do a small 10 minute intro for the people to tell them about the 10-8 podcast and throw in a little something there special for the people? So I said, you know what? I am going to do that. But I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. He's like, man, just look at the title. And the name of the title of this episode is Who Will Bring the Mac and Cheese? It's Black History Month. You got this giant black Negro named Dexter Pitts on the show whose family's from Mississippi. So, you know, this brother fixing to bring the Mac and Cheese. Well, I'm not. I got newsflash for y'all. I, Dexter Pitts, cannot bring the Mac and Cheese. Because of certain lifestyle changes and my things in my life that I got to change because I'm trying to live a little longer. So I cannot bring the mac and cheese. But what I can bring for this quick intro, I can bring you all a little encouragement, a little motivation and some perspective for all you tired, stressed out, overworked, short staff, underpaid and underappreciated coppers out there. And those of you who are possibly considering becoming part of the thin blue line that I can offer. I've been a cop now going on for 13 years, 13 freaking years in law enforcement. The things I have seen, the things I have done, man, it's still unbelievable. And this is the one thing I will say. Policing is a lot like mac and cheese. It looks delicious. And if prepared right and done right, oh, it is so freaking good. But anytime you're at the cookout, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, the cookout. Go back and listen to the Black Cops episode. If you're at the cookout and that mac and cheese looks so good, but you're on a diet plan and you're looking at that mac and cheese, knowing you can't have all those excess carbs and all that cheesy, fatty goodness, there's always one thing you have to consider before you take that spoon and dip it into that hot sizzling mac and cheese and throw it on your plate, there's one thing you always have to consider. Is it worth it? Man, let me tell you something. After 13 years in this job, is it still worth it? 
you absolutely better believe it. This is still, in my eyes and in my opinion, the greatest profession that I have ever taken part in. I, after 13 years, I still wake up every day excited to put on my uniform and go do my job. You know, and it's not perfect. We all know that, you know, you can't trust everybody's mac and cheese. It all depends on where the mac and cheese is coming from and who's making it. But for me personally, where I've been working and what I've been doing, every scoop in this profession has absolutely been worth it. And I have zero regrets. You know, we're in this time right now in law enforcement where it's a rough time. I mean, there's so much negativity surrounding law enforcement. You got the news crapping on us, politicians crapping on us. Everybody's crapping on the police and what we do. And it's like no matter what we do, we're always in the wrong. And we all have to suffer on the account of one bad cop. You know, the criticism, the constant berating from the public and politicians and people who have no clue what they're talking about in life. And those who have never, ever worn a police uniform, been in a police car responding code three with lights and sirens to an emergency where someone's life is hanging in the balance. But those people will never know what it's like to get on scene and to see somebody laying on the ground shot or having some sort of medical emergency. And you, the thin blue line, you, the officer, are the first line of defense. So is it still worth it? You better absolutely believe it's still worth it because the American people are worth it. The United States Constitution is worth it. Even if the people in America who do not like us and hate our profession, they are still worth it because the United States Constitution says that American citizens, that American citizens, men and women, everybody, no matter your color, where you're from, what you believe in, that they all have inalienable rights. And it is my pleasure as a police officer every day I go to work to make sure that those people's rights are never violated. Now, for anybody who puts on this uniform, it should be a pleasure to go to work. I know, like I said, I know it's hard right now. I know we got a lot going on, but sometimes we got to push those small negative things aside in this profession and look at the positives of what we do in our ships and I know it gets muggy and it gets a little cloudy because of all the negativity. But like I said, we got to work double, double time and overtime right now to try to make sure that we stay positive about what we're doing. And I know it's hard when we got bad leadership. You know, we have horrible politicians. But you all know as well as I do what goes on in the White House and the House of Congress, what goes on in the chief's office and your lieutenant's office only has so much effect on you. It's so minimal because when you're in that police car by yourself and you are responding to this intense call, the last thing on your mind is what would Joe Biden do? What would my state representative do? What would my chief do? What would my lieutenant do? No, you're not thinking about that. What you're thinking about is what's the best way I can approach this incident and help serve and possibly save a life in this situation. And then that's when you start putting your plan together, formulating and plotting with your partners on how to be the best cop you can in that moment. And by the time you get there and whatever you have in front of you, whatever problem you have, whether it's you arrest somebody on a domestic, you know, you perform CPR on somebody, you pluck somebody's bullet wound or you make a choice to take a child out of a home that's in a bad situation. By the time it's all said and done and you have found the solution 
to that problem for those people in that moment, there is no better feeling in this world than going home after a hard shift, knowing that at that moment in that time in those people's lives that you made a positive difference. It's so easy to get caught up in the mundane and the things in life that don't really matter, especially in this profession. Hey, we all know, man, we got the mean pages and everything talking about the bad side of policing. But let us also not forget and not and not lose sight of the fact that what we do out here in these streets matters. You matter. I can't tell you to keep doing this job or to walk away because that is your personal choice. But if you are on the fence about leaving the profession and hanging up the boots, hey, I understand it's not easy and I would never judge anyone for doing so. But this before I get ready to close, let me ask you this one thing. If not you, then who? If not me, then who? Not who will bring the mac and cheese, but who will be there when the crap hits the fan? I hope it's you out there listening that chooses to still be there because, like I said, we need you. And this ain't just for cops. This is for dispatch, EMS. This is for everybody that works in the first responder community. We need you because one day your career is going to come to an end. You're going to start aging. You're going to get older. You're not going to be as nimble, as agile, as accurate, as fast, or as strong as you once were while you were serving and wearing the uniform. And one day you might need help. And when you pick up that phone one day to dial 911, who do you want coming to help you in your time of need? Because it might not happen right now, but it's definitely probably going to happen one day in the future. And when you do, you want to have confidence in who's responding. So when you go to work tonight or you go to your next shift, think about that. Think about the person calling for help who's in need of the best officer, the best EMS person at that point in time, or the best dispatcher on shift that night. And just imagine being that person on the other end of the phone. This is still a great profession, people. Yes, we're, we're beaten up, we're bloody, and we've been knocked down on our backs more times than we could count. But guess what? We still get up and we still keep standing and coming back for more because we love this profession and because the Constitution and the people of this country are worth every ounce of blood spilled. So don't be afraid to pick up that giant spoon and dig into that hot mac and cheese that I just dropped on y'all. Bow, baby. Welcome to the 10-8 podcast. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Right, and joining me, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dexter Pitts. What's going on, man? What up? As I say, I'm all all legend, all myth. <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, long, long, long time ago. I had a. I think I think we're going all the way back to like MSN Messenger that long Ooh. ago. But my screen name was like the man, the myth, the ego, or something like that. <laughs> but I had underscores between all of it, so like to type it out was just a pain in the ass. But it, that's always kind of been my uh, my go-to, man. But 
I said that was back then when it wouldn't save it for you. You had to type it in every time. That's right. Every <laughs> single time you had to log in, man. That or like the AOL Instant Messenger days, those were the best. That oh, was man. the best social media in the world. You don't remember ICQ, do you? I yeah, I do. Yeah. I never had it. That was like it, the first first. <laughs> okay, okay. Throwback. I had uh like the AOL, like not even just AIM, but actual like actual America AOL. Online, the yeah, the disc and then is, the disc gets sent to your house. <laughs> yeah, 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 the the free disc. Yep, man, I remember the, like whenever it happened. I want to say I was in second or third, maybe fourth grade. But one person got my screen name, and I didn't know anything about it. Like I always just had like the the standard buddy list on there, and then one person got my screen name, and before you know it, my entire school starts messaging me like hey hey!" i was like i don't even know half you people this is cool <laughs> and that was i mean that was the start of it all for me i think at that point the today was born <laughs> yeah yeah right the way that society has progressed from just those days to now like i remember my my dad who was a police officer was like listen don't be uh identifiable online don't you know don't talk to people you don't know and that is literally social media now <laughs> Yeah. Be as identifiable yep. as possible and talk to people you don't know. Yep, nah. Now you just get r- random invites to random people's barbecues, 10 8. That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. All right, man. So for people that have not listened to our previous rendezvous, which would be the Black Cop episode and the New Year's Eve episode, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and we'll go from there. What's up, everybody? This is Dex. I am the host of the Iron Pits podcast. And I am also the author of I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at I Am Pitt's One. So, uh, man, I'm just a just a guy. Some people say I'm black. Some people say I'm not. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, uh, man, I've been I'm a veteran. Like I said, a podcaster. I'm an author. I've been in policing law enforcement now for 13 years total. Still loving the job, but also, you know, just living the daily life, living the, the, the daily grind, balancing family. Balancing a podcast, balancing social media, and I mean, like I was just talking, telling Ten Eight, man, I just I'm dog tired right now. I'm like exhausted. I came off. Mm-hmm. I did a six day stretch on nights. The 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 sixth day I volunteered for because we're short. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go help the homies out. And man, I've been trying to recover uh-huh. the last two days, bro. I'm struggling. I was supposed to do my own podcast, and I was just like sitting there looking at the computer, like. No, not today. I can't. I, I just can't. Yeah. I ain't got it, man. <laughs> Show's done and written out and everything. I just got to do it. I'm just like, mm-hmm. man, it's so hard right now. <laughs> so yeah. the struggle I mean, is that, on, that's, man. It's a real struggle, man. Like, uh, like we were saying, like last week I had seven days straight. Then I had three days straight here uh, with a day off in between. And the the way my family dynamic is right now, we spend our off days not at our house. Based, long story short, but. So it's hard for me, you know, I've got my setup here. So if I'm going to work on the podcast record or anything, I got to do it while I'm here, which the time is kind of split. So it's, um, it definitely piles up and then, you know, I'm editing the podcast and I've got like, I've got this one we're working on right now, but the episode that's right before it, I'm still working on and I got things planned for the one after it. Um, (laughs) and it piles up really quick. Plus you got school and family and life. Everything else. Life. Life, bro. I tell everybody, I'm like, man, that, like, why aren't you on, like, posting more on your stories and doing all this and making videos? I'm like, look, bro, I'm not trying to be a social media influencer. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to get up. I'm not trying to live that life, bro. I'm like, right. I got a real job, a real family. So, you know, podcasting's fun. Podcasting is my hobby. 
but it's not my real life and my real job. So, you know, policing, my, my family comes first, policing, and then I get to the podcast when I can. Because I used to go weekly. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, it's been, a, it's been a rough couple years, but I'm like, man, I'm tired. And then that's when I realized, like, I don't have sponsors, so I don't have to go every week. And it gets so hard and tired and exhausting, especially trying to keep up with the news cycle. I'm just like, man. Oh, yeah. Bro, oh, it's, yeah. it's so, I mean, and there's just so much stuff in my show typically. I tell I talk about stuff kind of after the fact everybody knows about it and and I'm I almost prefer that cuz that gives me time to let the stories develop you know mm-hmm, and kind of get mm-hmm. my thing together instead of being everybody wants to be first I'm like usually those are first in this world ain't really getting all the correct info out bro so I'm just kind of like right, oh, I'll kick right. back You're and the chill first one with your foot in your mouth Yep first one with your foot in your mouth you know so that's why I don't mind chilling hanging back and I tell people I'm not a you know up to date like that day podcast guy and I'm okay with that. I know my place in this world, and I'm happy. You know, and mm-hmm. I think people enjoy it, man. So, you know, it's like it's a it's a it's a fun thing to do. But man, it's it's, it's exhausting. I think a lot of people don't realize that having a podcast is a job. Yeah, definitely. It definitely. People ask me all the time, like, "Hey, how long does it take you to edit an episode or put one together?" And I'm like, "From start to finish, we we can talk like six to eight hours, really, when we really yeah. start." putting it all and planning and and everything and like someday like last year i did a lot where i just kind of went off the cuff when i was just doing my own little thing but looking back and listening back i didn't enjoy it as much so i take my time i write things out now and i think first off it puts out a better product but also it makes me feel better that i really like planned out what i'm gonna say the flip side of it though is that's just an extra step in the process Mm -hmm. and it, it can slow things down. So you're absolutely right. There was, uh, when I started doing this run, this third season, I started, I had two other shows that I was working on oh, God. that I would do intermittently. Yeah. One that was part of me. And then one I had like other people doing and I would just put it out, but I was also editing both all three shows mm-hmm. and I just couldn't keep up. And thank God the people that were involved with the one kind of <clears throat> stopped because I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with it, you know, and I, I do have sponsors, but they're not paying. Well, they pay my bills, but only because I allow yeah. them to like, <laughs> I cannot stop working full time in order for that to yeah, pay my bills. Yeah, you know that, I mean? It's hard so, to get to that point in podcasting, bro. And like, so I got a nice offer from the guys that failure to stop and uh, Eric mm-hmm. Tansy, bro. They were like, Hey man, we want you to go every Monday with us. And I was like, man, it, I mean, that's a hell of an offer, bro. I mean, it was nice. I was just like, it'd be super cool to pl- replace Mike the Cop. I'm like, bro, y'all think that highly of me? Like, thank you so mm-hmm. much. But I, I had to turn it down because I can't promise anyone every Monday. I just can't mm-hmm. make that commitment. I'm the type of guy, if I'm going to do something and commit to something, I'm going to do it. And I was like, right now in my life where I'm at, you know, maybe if I wasn't working as much as I was or, you know, full time, maybe if I was part time, I'd be able to. But you know, I just I, I didn't want to get into that predicament where it's like, well, this guy's a scumbag. He said he'd do every Monday and he's doing every, mm-hmm. you know, every third or fourth Monday. And it's just every, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, man, nah, I'd rather not. But that's why I was like, it's amazing what this thing has taken off and become on its own. But at the same time, you do have to know what you want and what you, what you want it to be and have realistic expectations. And for me, like I said, I'm not trying to be, you know, Brandon Tatum and all these other guys bro. I'm just. Just Dex, Dex holding it down in my little small section of the world, man, on the streets, dog. And when I say policing comes first, and I'm mm-hmm. glad to be a voice out here, I'm trying to be a voice for people that feel like they might not have a voice. But you know, like, I'm just one guy and it's just one opinion, man. And that's why I'm glad we got your show. You do a wonderful <laughs> job, and your edits are your edits are nice. With the bump music hey, and everything, man, I appreciate bro. It, I'm man. like, man, this dude's got it together. <laughs> I'm trying, man. It's it's like I said, it's trust. It's 
it's tough. It's tough to stay on top of it. And yeah, I had someone reach out and they're like a TikTok whatever and they're like, "Hey, I got a I got an offer to do this TV gig and they're not law enforcement, but it had something to do with law enforcement wow. and criminal justice and stuff and they're like, "Would you be interested in being part of it?" And I was like, "Yes and no." I was like, "That sounds really cool, but I'm not uprooting anything for that." Yeah. Um, you know, I got a career, I got a family, everything, but, and then it just kind of disappeared, which is perfectly fine. Um, but you're right. Like when you look at what's important and what's not like in my wildest dream, sure, this podcast stuff could take off and replace my main source of income. But the fact of the matter is it has not, and you know, probably will not, but that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with what I've got going on in the real world, so to speak. But yeah, it's great to have this opportunity to talk to people. You know, it without something like social media, I would not be talking to you. And, is it because I'm black? You know, obviously. Uh, it's because I'm black and I look scary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I cross the street when I see you, man. He's so large. No. And <laughs> um, oh, no, but you know, already. like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but you, I've gotten so many different ideas and just points of view across the country and even across the world I've talked to people and without this thing on social media and the podcast it just wouldn't be possible so as much as social media pisses me off on a daily basis to that. whether <laughs> whether it's the people that are on it or the the machine itself there there is a lot of good that comes from it for sure oh bro that's the thing about social media I hate it but when we have incidents like the Laverne police department thing I'm like god bless social media you know, her downfall has been all of our laughter and comedy <laughs> for the last. Yeah, few someone weeks, sent bro. me. Someone sent me that she did a TMZ interview or something like that did recently. She? Wow. Apparently, I don't. I don't know. I didn't really click on it because I was kind of done with it. But um, that she was going through a divorce and then things just got taken out of control. I don't know. I don't know. I thought her but, husband said he was staying with her though, man. That's what I saw. He was like, "We, we gonna work know. it out. I we gonna know. work it." I'm like, right, "You better man than me." <laughs> yeah, no, not at all, not at all. You did what? And it's all over the what? <laughs> what color were they? <laughs> well, you know what they say, once you go... Once you go black, you're going to need a wheelchair, right? <laughs> <laughs> what movie reference What movie reference was that? I don't know. White Chicks. <laughs> oh, shit, man. It's been so long since I saw that movie. That's a good one, too. So what is... I know, you know, you kind of touched on it, but what's like... What's your... What's your story? How'd you get to be where you are right now? What What was the, I know you talk about it all in your book, but let, for people kind of as a teaser for the book itself and your show and everything, but what's kind of the, the short way of us getting here? Man, the short way of us getting to where I am now, I mean, that's a long treacherous road, my man. Like <laughs> my parents are from Mississippi. My, both of my parents grew up picking cotton in the Mississippi Delta and they might, they mm -hmm. wanted to escape that life. My dad joined the military and so you know, my mom joined him like a year or two later. And then I, I came into the picture in 1984. I was born in Fort Knox and I grew, literally grew up in the military. And growing up mm -hmm. in the military, I never had any aspirations to serve because I hated life in the military, man. We were always moving. I make friends. You know, then it's like, oh, well, it's time to go to the next duty station. I'm like, really? So, you know, I just for me, I was looking at other ways to live my life and being in the military wasn't part of the story for me. Mm -hmm. Then 9-11 happens just like everybody else from my generation, man. You know, you see your country attacked and you think, man, it's time to go serve. So I joined the military, got blown up in Iraq in January 2nd of 2005. 
And I remember getting out and just being so lost. Like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm 20, what I was like 22, 23 years old, like got a bum left arm and I'm trying to figure out my life and went to school for occupational therapy. Didn't like it. You know, I went to school for, I looked out about business, hated it. Then I remember seeing that commercial for the police department, man. And I was like, that looks pretty dope, but I wanted to do a little bit more. I was like, I wanted to be a fed. And so I was like, man, I'm going to become a federal agent. But just like most people, most men, I met a female. It's my second wife I met at the time. <laughs> yes, that's yes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm multiple marriages. I'm on number three. <laughs> of course. I mean, you you said you were a police officer. Yeah, so that's police officer and a veteran. So I've lost one a marriage to each profession. So <laughs> yes, there's nobody more police veteran than me. <laughs> I am the textbook <laughs> for it. But, you know, so she was like, yo, I'm not going to leave my family in Louisville. We, so I was like, all right, you know, I'll push off the dreams of becoming a federal agent down the line. And I decided, hey, I'm going to join the Louisville Metro Police Department. Get hired by Louisville Metro Police Department in 2009. Hit the streets in 2010. You know, then I had this horrible incident as a rookie where I got the call about my mother being shot and shot while I was on duty. I get to the mm-hmm. hospital and I'm in my uniform. And turns out my mom had committed suicide and I had to take her off life support mm-hmm. when I was 26 years old in my police uniform. My life falls apart and I just, you know, I start battling with struggling with suicide because I had lost everything because I built this fake life around this, this girl I met and man, I was just not happy. I was fat and just not taking care of myself. You know, so it's kind of like a, just kind of, it was kind of the crossroads for me. It was like, man, I was going to kill myself or somebody was going to kill me for me. And I was hoping that as a police officer, that somebody was going to I was going to pull a car over. Somebody was going to get out of the car and shoot me because I didn't have the courage to shoot myself. So a sergeant realizes that I'm struggling. He's like, bro, this isn't you. Like, I know you. What's going on? Man, my chain of command steps in and saves my life. And next, you know, I kind of get my stuff together, get some help. And then I carry on with my career. Then I meet my wife now, who I've known since like seventh grade. And then we built this beautiful life together, man. I mean, I was on the police department for like eight years. Had, you know, me and my wife had two beautiful children. Life is good. Then I decide, you know what? It's time to go chase that federal dream. So in 2018, I apply for the Border Patrol, get hired. And I go to the Border Patrol Academy for six months. I do that, get done with that, and go to the actual border and work for six months. And I hate it. And then during that time frame is when the riots in Louisville started happening around uh may late may of 2020 and that's when i realized like man this isn't where i'm supposed to be like i hated the border i hated being on border patrol and i I miss being a cop because being a cop was the driving force behind everything i did and still is and everything i do and i love the job so much you like i just couldn't get enough of it and i took this chance on a dream no i made it i did it i just didn't like it and i made the choice to return back to policing in louisville in June of uh yeah what was it June of 2020 and I've been back ever since man and during that time is when I kind of finished the book because I felt like I started writing the book about seven seven eight years ago I mean I was sitting in a Taco Bell working off duty at first in Broadway like man mm-hmm. I, I you know what you know what really sparked it was social media always being on social media just seeing all the bull crap on social media and I was getting so mad and People telling me an Uncle Tom and a coon because I'm a cop. And I was just like, you know what? People don't even know me, man. Like, how do you how are you going to call yeah, somebody yeah. that you don't know? You just see me from the outside and just, you know, because I make a few statements, you think I'm this certain person and I'm not. And then, so I just started writing out of anger. And then, you know, it took me seven years because I would get to these parts in my life in the book where 
my mind was shut down because they were so traumatic, like me getting hurt in Iraq and my mother's suicide while I was on duty, you know, divorces and me wanting to kill myself going through that struggle. Yo, so, man, what really pushed me to finish the book was September 23rd, 2020, man, when we were out uh, during the protest. It was the day of the Breonna Taylor verdict here in Louisville where they charged only one of the officers on the uh, the grand jury charged them with one count of one endangerment. That was it. And I was like, man, and that day we, that we went out later that night and we we got shot at and two of our officers got shot. And I remember going home that night and thinking, it's like, man, if I die during these next couple months during this crap, my story's going to die with me and my kids are only going to know my know who I am and the story from outside sources. I was like, I want my kids to know who I am from me and my words, from my view and my perspective and how I see the world, not how the world sees me. And so that's what kind of forced me to really push the book. And then like, cause I also started my podcast around the same time, man. So like, just, I, was, I think I'm kind of one of the first officers that was really, really out there where it was like, I got a podcast, I'm a cop and I work in Louisville and I'm working during mm-hmm. the riots. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm not hiding. I'm not, how could you do that? I'm like, First Amendment, bro. How could how could any of us not? But, you know, right. so many people in law enforcement were scared to speak up and say anything. I was like, no, I'm done doing that, man. I'm done running. I'm done being scared. And you're not going to hold a paycheck over me in exchange for my liberty and my freedom. You know, I'm not doing that. This isn't slavery. So, you know, I just mm-hmm. that's when I started the podcast, man. Next thing you know, I'm sitting here talking to the great 10-8. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Man. I don't know about that. But, I mean, your story is so... So deep, man. I guess that's that's like a simple word for it. But I mean, you know, you've obviously been through so much and it really hones in on a lot of stuff that I talk about and go on about, you know, um, realizing that there's so much more to this world than just one thing. And, you know, you, you kind of what, what really took me away was when you said, like, I want my kids to know me, you know, what? regardless of what and that's kind of one of the takeaways i have for podcasting in in general um another podcast that i used to really be a fan of these two guys and uh they they're cops but they don't really talk about police work they talk about life Life. there you go and it was kind of because both of them had their dads passed away and they're like you know we don't really know much about our dads so they basically did it as like a testament to their to their kids so that way years from now their kids can pick it up and be like, Oh, this is what my dad was into, you know? Um, so, you know, to hear you say that and then kind of thinking about my own kind of thoughts as well on, on many of the topics, um, you know, it kind of resonated a lot with me and the, the real, you know, if we're going to get real about it, the thoughts that you were saying about, like when you start looking around and everything that you love and, and care for and everything is gone, and you're like, you're looking at everything going, you know, what am I doing here? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, I know I can speak from personal experience that I've had those same thoughts and I've been in that same predicament where I'm like, you know, all my family except for, you know, whatever's in the future that I don't know is gone, right? That's, mm. you know, my, my parents have passed away, my sister passed away, close friends passed away. And so definitely sat at that crossroads. And again, like you said, not feeling up to the point of acting on any thoughts I was having, but they were definitely there. You know what I mean? So the fact that you were able to turn yourself around, you hokey pokeyed it is very important. You know, it's an important thing for people to hear because these are real struggles that we've all, that we all come across, you know? And 
obviously look at you now. I mean, you 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 know, you're the the mac and cheese master of of uh, of Kentucky. <laughs> but no, for real, man. This is um, I don't know. There, there's just so much with your story. Thank first off, thank you very much for sharing it. Oh, of course, man. It's uh, I know you know I know that there's people here that listen to it and go shit. You know, I I can relate to at least a piece of that, and then to know that your darkest days are just as dark as you let them, and there's always light as it moves on. You know, that's one of the things I say in the introduction of my book. It was that, especially being a veteran that wrote a book about my time in Iraq, everything in social media today is like so hyper focused on the extreme. And then when I say it's all the guys that like the Navy SEALs, the special operations guys, it's all, it's all these high, like super cool, high speed guys that do all this cool stuff. Yo, but nobody thinks about the regular Joe, the regular average army guy, the regular guy in the grocery store that you don't see. And that's why I said in my book, you know, most people cannot, 99% of the population cannot identify with Navy SEAL training, army boot camp. They can't identify with being in the riots, but what we can all identify with is struggle. The struggle is a part of the human condition. You know, that's why I always get on black people when we talk about the struggle. Y'all like, you know, for against the white man, I'm like, bro, that we ain't the only people that struggle. Humanity as a whole has struggled since the beginning of time. That is the mm-hmm. story. That is the human story. It's struggle. Everybody struggles. Some struggle more than others, but we all struggle, man. And so for I feel like it'd be an injustice for me to put out something where um, being fake and just online and just like, oh, my life is great. Look at me. I got these great kids and everything's wonderful. And I've been through all this stuff and I'm still standing. I'm like, yeah, I'm still standing, but barely, but I'm standing, you know, and I think a lot of America's at that point now, man, where, man, we got the recession going on. We got there's so much crap going on, man. People are just trying to make it through day to day. Every life, everyone mm-hmm. is struggling. And if you're not dealing with yeah. the financial side of it, I'm sure, you got some family issues dealing with. You know, everybody does. I do, man. I just talked to my father for the first time in like 13 years the other day, and it went horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. But I'm still standing. I'm still here, man. That's why I'm just like, man, everybody has these problems, no matter how good things seem online. That's why I say I hate social media because of that fact, because that's what I like about you. You keep it real, bro. Like you're just you're just you're 10, eight. You are who you are, man. <laughs> but I see so many people that are polished and, you know, just putting on the show just to get likes and looks. And I'm just like, man, none of this is real. Like, <laughs> trust right, me. Right. I've been to a couple of domestics involving people that are big time on social media in Louisville. And I'm just like, Oh, mm-hmm. this ain't what you're portraying online at all. <laughs> right. Right. No. Yeah, for sure. I've seen, I've seen people who, you know, were big on TikTok and Instagram. I seen them in the grocery store. I'm like, Whoa, where, where's that model like hair and makeup now? Like you're looking like the, the, Main Street crackhead, like what's going on here? For sure, yeah, bro, yeah. but there there are many people, and and this is kind of where I get the the problem with the snake oil salesmen on social media, where they're just like you know they push their image, and they're like, oh, I'm you know I'm just always great. I wake up in the morning and piss excellence, and I'm like, mm, I know it's not. You know, no. I may not know the truth. I may not have seen behind the curtain, but I know it's not, and it bothers me that you're portraying it this way. That's where I get like that's where I start detracting from a lot of people on social media because again like you said I need it to be real. I need to see how it really is. You know, the truth is you're not going to be able to wake up every morning and live the Joe Rogan life. No. You know what I mean? Like it's not possible. Not and, everybody could be David Goggins, bro. Like I love David Goggins story, but come on, like homie, like, that is not no. 
You can't be a right, hard exactly. motherfucker every day. <laughs> like, like <laughs> right, no. Right, you can't, no. yeah. And that's where, like, I was listening to an episode of a podcast and Jocko was on it. And I'm not, I enjoy Jocko to the point of, like, there's things he says that I, I like, but I can't listen to him too much because it's too much. It's, uh, yeah, I love and, Jocko. Yes, I agree. It's you know, it's like there's no way you do this 24 hours a day. It's just not possible. No, no human can live this way and have a good home life at the same time. It's just not possible. You got to turn it off. And so that's one of the things, like you said, like I try to be real with it. You know, if I'm having a rough day, if I'm being tired or whatever, if I try 70, 75 hard and I fail, you know, I'm real with it because I want to show people that, you know, this is real life. And I would love to be that exemplary person of, you know, doing everything perfectly, but it's just not, it's not the case. Man. It'll never happen for anybody. Anybody that does, like I said, I did a podcast not long ago called two minutes. It's like we, and, uh, I was talking about the guy that just killed himself. Twitch, uh, uh-huh. the black dude that worked with Ellen. Everybody was like, man, his life looks so happy. Like the last video he posted was like, yo, him and his family dancing and smiling. Next thing that dude's dead. And I'm like, y'all took a two minute clip of this man's life and assumed that this explained for the other, you know, for the other undocumented hours in his life, bro. Like, that's two minutes. Two minutes does not tell you, yeah. show you how happy somebody is. I can pretend to be anything for two minutes. It's like, but when the camera right. goes off, what are you really? What are you hiding? Mm-hmm. And and you can apply that to, I mean, any suicide, honestly. But, you know, when we're talking about kind of the, the high end or more, more notable ones and, and the ones that, stick out to me as like the Robert Williams of the world. No, like man. no one Tragic. saw that one coming. Yeah, absolutely. That always kind of stays in my mind, in the back of my mind, especially, you know, I've had, I've had friends take their lives and they seemed happy and jovial and you know, everything. And then, you know, you never know what's really going on. People put up this facade and that's, it's a defense mechanism. Obviously, you know, they're trying to protect themselves or protect whoever they're trying to protect. But again, that kind of comes with the the being genuine and being honest with people. Um, you know, it by not talking about things or saying, "Oh, I've never had mental health struggles." I'm like, eh, mm. "What is that really helping at all?" You know what I mean? Like, I I'd love to say that that was the case, but I, I know it's not. You know, so when people tell me that, I'm like, "What are you never. trying to impress me with?" <laughs> never here? like, yeah. I tell people like, listen, especially law enforcement veterans, I'm like, "Yo, look." You don't have to be a tough guy with me, man. I'm a tough guy. Trust me. I've struggled. I've seen tough guys that have killed themselves. It's just a fact. Yeah. Like, nobody's that tough, man. Nobody. You're a human being. You are made of, you know, cells and all this, bro. And sometimes we, you know, we hit a point, man, we dysfunction. You know, the mind can only take so much. It's like a rubber band. Whereas you keep stretching a rubber band over and over and over and over. Eventually, it's going to pop. I don't care how mm-hmm. tough you are. Like I said, there's Navy SEALs out here that have killed themselves. They're some of the toughest bastards on earth. No mm-hmm. one is immune, man, and we all need help. And, you know, I, I know we tend in law enforcement, we tend to focus a lot on, you know, like suicide within the law enforcement community, which is an epidemic. And it's the same within the veteran community. But I've been kind of transitioning to, man, suicide is a human epidemic right now, period. Because it ain't just cops out here killing themselves. You can think mm-hmm. for yourself when you were on the streets. How many suicides you go to? tons all the time yo and it's a variety or at the very of least attempts and yeah attempts yeah. yeah and i mean it's a dude, mental health in america is america's greatest problem right now i don't care what else is going on in this country until we get the minds of americans right 
nothing is going to change. And it's sad, man. Like you look at out on the streets of the homeless population, a lot of that stuff is mental illness. A lot of the calls yeah, we get called it, yeah. to, like the dude with no legs the other day with the knife in uh, California. That's a mm-hmm. he had mental. Clearly, he had mental health issues. Problem, bro. Clearly, mm-hmm. and I tell people until we fix that, it's just going to continue what it is. And if we could fix most of the mental health issues in America, dude, we can probably cut down on about 80, 90 percent of the things that go on in law enforcement and get our cops actually time to do the job because we were never meant to be mental health professionals. That was never right. a part of the job. But for some odd reason, the American politicians and people love to stack everything at the feet of the police, bro. Everything. Every problem they got, let the police deal with it. Car accidents, let the police deal with it. You know, you got baby mama, baby daddy drama that we can't even do anything about. Let the police deal with it. My kids won't go to school. Let the police deal with it. That ain't my job. Call the police, yeah. Yeah, like, what, what am, why am I here? Because you suck as a parent. Man, mm-hmm. hey, man, my neighbor won't cut his music down. Bro, have you gone next door to try to talk to the man and ask him to turn his music down? You know, it's, right. it, it's, just, it's yeah. annoying, man. It's just, there's just too much that people do. It's just too much. And like I said, cops are tired and burned out. And we're more tired and burned out now because... We're doing more work with less cops. And I mean, mm-hmm. every time I turn around, there's something new that cops have to do. And I'm just like, man, it wasn't like that before. And it's just exhausting, man. But like, thankfully, where I'm at now, it's a lot better. It's smaller and not as busy. And I don't have 90% of the headache that I used to have. So, man, my perspective is changing. But at the same time, my heart is still with the guys that are working in these big cities or that have to deal with this stuff day in and day out. Like, I didn't realize how tired and stressed out I was until I left and removed myself from the chaos. Now I'm looking back like, bro, how was I operating every day on these 12 hour shifts? And then I realized I wasn't being proactive. I was at work struggling to just survive and stay afloat, man. Like I wasn't getting anything done. I just do what I do the bare minimum because that's all I could afford to do mentally, physically, and emotionally. I just didn't have time and the emotional energy to go out and be a proactive cop. Because we're slacked down with paperwork, you know, you got to code your videos, you know, then you got to you know, go do this class. And it's just like when it comes to actually taking care of people and caring for them, good luck. How are you going to care for somebody mm-hmm. when you can't care for yourself? And when you are literally emotionally depleted from 12-hour shifts, multiple 12-hour shifts, you can't do that. And that's the current state of America right now. We wonder why we're having so many issues with cops. I mean, these guys are burnt out mm-hmm. and nobody cares. And know what they're doing? They're you know, they're trying to lure people in with money. I'm like, money will get people here, but it's not going to keep them here. You all have to right. change everything about how we're operating these police departments in America right now. And it's sad, man. Yeah, yeah. When when I whenever I see a, an agency post their uh, recruiting fl- fl- uh, flyer, and it's always got a nice price tag on it, I'm like, oh, that's nice, you know. But what's the culture like? You know, why why are we trying to get this big lure in? And what you're saying about, you know, being mentally, emotionally, physically depleted, and you're saying that, like, you didn't have the energy in you to be a proactive cop, the same thing goes when you go off duty, right? You have you don't have the energy to be a proactive human, to take care of the things you need, your parent, yes. spouse, whatever it is. Like, you know, you were talking about how tired you were off this, you know, six-day run. I mean, and you were saying like, oh man, I was having struggle getting this done, getting this done, and and I can I can relate completely. There were days at my old agency when I was on the road working the better part of fourteen days straight between oh, regular tours, overtime, yeah. And again, that was kind of chasing that price tag, chasing mm-hmm. the money, chasing the overtime, um, or just picking up 
off duties because we needed the people. Because, again, there was a sense of duty and the sense of being there and helping people out. And, again, only after leaving did I realize, like, how the hell did I do that? I couldn't. Running seven days in a row was enough to make me, like, hit empty on my gas tank, let alone... 14 days or, you know, I was working some crazy back-to-back shifts and things like that. And, you know, while I do think humans flourish in the chaos, right? The the more uncomfortable you get, kind of the better you, you push and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be a limit. There's one, there's a, a point where you're like, all right, this is not serving me. This is not good. And only when you're out of it, do you realize like, oh, wait, you're saying that I can actually be enjoying my life and enjoying my career or enjoying not stressing about all these different factors. And I think that moment of clarity that comes from that is almost like stepping into the next stage of life when you realize that, Oh, you mean I can enjoy going to work? That's, that's insane. Yeah. Well, you know what, man, I'll be honest. A lot of the new cats that are coming into police, policing and law enforcement, it's a different breed. Like, you know, we clown on these guys, yo, but at the same time, these new guys, they are not putting up with the bull, man. They are mm. leaving. They're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And then I've seen it where they had guys that quit the academy because they're like, yeah, nah, we're not doing this show. And man, it's man. I guess when what year did you start policing? 2015. 2015. So when I started in 2009, like I said, it was still a different world then. Where it was like, yo, like you get in this job, this job becomes your identity. This job is you, mm-hmm. day in, day out, never on, never off, always on. Even when you're off, listening to police radio. Now it's like, man. I remember I accidentally text one of the guys, the new guys on our department on my platoon a couple months back on accident on my day off. And I asked him something about work. He was like, he gave me a real quick, brief explanation. was like, hey, so, you know, I don't really talk about work when I'm off, though. I was like, shit, my mm-hmm. bad. Well, damn. And I was like, you know what? Good, for Good on you. Good for you. Yeah. I've heard new officers like, yeah, I don't even have emails on my phone. It's like, I don't I get to work. That's when I look at my emails. That, that's like, where I'm that's at right smart. now. Absolutely. I was like, I don't blame them. Like, me? No, I was available 24-7. Whatever was going yeah. on, I needed to know what's going on in the streets. And, you know, and then people would ask me, like, hey, man, what happened? And I would feel important. Like, oh, that's well, what happened over on 34th Street was, you know. Now it's like, shit, man, yep. I could care less. Like, where I'm at now, they won't let me take my car home because I live out of state. And everybody's mm. like, aren't you upset about that? That's bull crap. I'm like, bro, I do not care. There's nothing better to me than getting in my privately owned vehicle, driving to work, mm-hmm. getting putting on my uniform, hitting the streets during my time, getting back in my regular clothes, getting back in my POV and driving to my house. I'm absolutely OK. Right. You saw the benefits of that the other morning on my Instagram. That accident happened Hell in yeah, front of me. Man. I was like, well, that's a shame. Y'all OK? You need anything? <laughs> OK. <laughs> Y'all have a wonderful yeah. day. <laughs> Take care. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Man, you know, it's... um. When I look at me six years ago, when I look at me now, totally different. Uh, I had my supervisor the other day. We were going through something. She goes, oh, I don't know if you checked your emails when you were off. I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, <nah. laughs> Sorry. You, you convinced me with that. And then like, I, I added our scheduling app to my phone only because I was working some weird shifts and whatever. But I, I was against that, too. I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know when there's overtime up, whatever. I still refuse to put the outlook on my phone, though. Um but I was that guy who would not only have the work email on my phone, but I would check it constantly. Like, oh, oh yeah. what's going on? What's going on? My, uh, my, my, I guess you could say my father-in-law lives in the town where I work. 
And every time I come visit, he's like, "Hey, what happened over here by the by the grocery store?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know, I, I don't exactly. know." And <laughs> old me would be like, "Oh, I don't know, I'll find out," or I would already know. Now it's like, mm, I don't know, probably probably nothing, honestly. Like, you know, we live in a small town; nothing crazy happens, <laughs> so it's really nothing to be concerned of ever. And it's just a different mindset. I remember when I first got hired by my agency, my first agency, uh, they wouldn't let me take the car home. So I had to drive in every day, but I would have my uniform hanging in my car window, you know, cause I didn't want it to get ruffled up in the back. And I remember I got complained on off duty for driving into work because some lady didn't like how I was driving or something like that. And I get to work and my supervisor's like, Oh, so you're doing this while you're driving. I think I was like eating or something. And she's like, Oh, terrible. And so that, bump that off right like so i'm never bring my <laughs> uniform into work like that again and you know it's just little bit by little bit they start pulling those things away from you it's like all right i don't even want to engage in any of this this is this is me this is my time whatever and i mean i'm sure you're realizing like not having the police car out front of your house is kind of a relaxing experience oh also. it's great bro oh i love it man and so of course you know my neighbors find out i was a cop man i don't care no, I know some cops mm-hmm. that are like, man, my neighbors don't even know what I do. I'm like, well, I I prefer to be a bit more approachable and open and honest with my neighbors because they're freaking great people, yo. So, hey, I'm doing my cop. Mm-hmm. One of the guys up the street was like, man, that's great. We got a cop on the block. You know, I was like, well, newsflash, I'm not in jurisdiction over here, brother. It's like, I'm a cop right. over in Kentucky, not over this side of the river, man. I can't help mm-hmm. you. But if shit goes wrong, we can get the posse together and handle it. Let's, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, yeah. Put something together. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Man, you know, when, people, you know, when they find you're a cop, that they have this certain expectation, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm just the average ordinary Negro over here, man. Just the guy <laughs> scaring people walking across the street. That's it. I love it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's how I feel also. I'm, I'm that guy also. <laughs> Uh, when I, when I moved into my house right now, well, actually in my old apartment, I was the courtesy officer. So I was in my jurisdiction. I had my car parked out front, wore my uniform, all that stuff. There were times when I got dispatched to my apartment complex for things. Mm. And it wasn't until I had to, uh, take in one of my neighbors, like literally same building of my apartment complex oh, for, no. uh, for mental health eval. I was like, all right, this wait, is wait, not as fun a, anymore. As a courtesy officer? No, I was, I was on duty, on duty. Oh. but but it was within my it was in my district, so I went over there, and sure enough, I had to cuff up. Literally, I'm looking at my front door as I'm cuffing up this chick to take her to the hospital, and I was like, okay, if I just avoid eye contact with her at the apartment complex when I'm off duty, we should be fine. Of course, the next day I'm doing my laundry, and she's like, hey, but I'm like, oh, oh, God. this is terrible. <laughs> so, um, I mean. When I was in that capacity, though, man, I went to my next door neighbor. He killed himself, and I was off duty. And oh, I was the first one there and shit. Yeah, so you know, don't recommend. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not bad. Free rent was man, great. Hey, but- bro, I'm telling you, that is one of the best benefits. I just gave up being a courtesy officer about a year and some months ago. You know, but I mm-hmm. during the 2020, I I was like, yo, I got to get out of this. I can't do it anymore. But man, I tell people like, why do you stay a cop? I'm like, there's some good benefits, man. Yeah, you sacrifice yeah, a little bit I, as a I mean, courtesy officer, but. Man, you save a lot of money. A lot oh, yeah. Of money. The only reason I am financially where I am right now was because of that courtesy officer gig. Absolutely. Because when you're not making your rent payment, but you can oh, make extra bill payments. Man, yes, I mean, sir. Yeah. That, uh, that came in handy. But again, during 2020, when we were having riots, I remember I was getting off duty. My agency was lucky. We didn't get the uh, the riots or anything like that. But there was a there was a rumor 
that uh, Antifa was on their way and they were going to torch every police car they came in front of. And um, that started a new practice for me to park <laughs> my police car far and away from my actual yep. house. Um, but, you know, it starts putting those things in your mind. Like, you know, did someone follow me home? Is someone waiting? Does someone know that a police car parks here every night and they're just waiting? Um, and that sense of paranoia. And I mean, there's situational awareness and then there's paranoia. And I was definitely at that paranoia state and, um, you know, sleeping with, with guns under pillows and stuff like that. Cause you never know, especially during yes. 2020, oh the, the narrative was so insane, so extreme that, you know, weird things went through my mind. And not only that, but there were actual cops that were getting ambushed at home when yes, they got home from duty, uh, from work. I know a, a cop in Jersey, a cop in California, they both got ambushed at home. Yep. yep bro. Yeah, um, man. That, I talked about that in my book. Like, dude, I would drive down the interstate going like 90 miles per hour blacked out in my police car. Yo, trying to mm-hmm. see if somebody was following me. Yo, then I would park like a quarter mile away from my complex yo, and then walk walk yeah. to where I live because I was like, man, if somebody's following me, alright, bro, I got something for you. I'm going to find you. Yo. But man, yeah, I mean, it was an insane time. An insane time. Yeah. The thing is, it's over, but it's not over. Oh, no, no. I tell people, it's just laying dormant. That's all it is. Right. They're waiting for that because next if you think- big ass whooping like in Memphis. That kind of threw them off because it's, it's all Negroes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it kind but, of threw them off. But- well, because you think about it. So I, I started the academy maybe a week after Mike Brown and Ferguson. Oh, yeah. So, so that was that, right? And then started being a cop in 2015. And then things kind of laid low after a while for that. But then George Floyd brought everything back up. So you're right. It's never gone. And so he's just waiting for the next shoe to drop. And, um, you know, just to kind of wrap up that part of the conversation, like there was literally a time when we were working narcotics, we did a, we were doing a buy with a, with a CI and me and my sergeant were on surveillance away from the thing. And we got made our, our vehicle got made in the, in the buy. So we, we, you know, we got out of there, whatever. And then we're wrapping up for the night going home. And my apartment was not far from our, our office, which was not a police office, but whatever. And, but I still had a marked unit, right? So I'm driving home and I noticed that turn for turn, a car is following mm. me. And I'm like, you know, first I got made for this, this drug buy. And now cars are following me. I was like, this is going to end really bad mm-hmm. for somebody. But I, I might've just been again in that paranoia set, set of mind but it could have been very real also so that being said there are some great things and some bad things about living where you work and working where you live (laughs) yeah i refuse now everybody thought when i moved over here like you're gonna become a cop over there i'm like hell no i don't want any arrest powers where i live man i'm able to separate my life from my career and it is wonderful i should have done it a long time ago long time ago man Mm -hmm. but you know i see you just get so caught up in what you're doing to live in your life, you don't really think about it. It's just like, ah, oh, it's just, it's just my life, man. Being stressed out all the time and being in the chaos is just, it's normal. It's my life. Then you don't realize how dysfunctional you are until you remove yourself from the dysfunction, man. Mm-hmm. So that's very true. And like where I am now, you know, dispatch is just a different, different beast for me, but <clears throat> I don't take it home at all. When I clock out, I am out. And when I come home, I'm doing it. And, you know, since then I've really adopted the whole social media thing. So that's just new stress. But <laughs> yeah. at the very, at the very bare minimum, like I go out with my family, you know, we cook out whatever it might be. And that's all I'm concerned about. It is not 
work. It's not, oh, am I going to get a call to go to this thing? Whatever. And it's such a difference, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you got out. And it, it, yeah, and it, it, it all, well, and I think the thing is, is that we all need to focus on what you said as like separating yourself from the job, whether it's literally leaving or just realizing your mindset like, hey, this is, no accountant is going to do what a police officer does, right? They uh-huh. work just as hard, just as long, but they don't, first off, they don't wear uh, shirts that say accountant lives matter. They don't wear <laughs> like flags outside their house, you know, and it's, Good work, right? Being a cop and being in law enforcement is so good and, and love the job and you can be really good at it. And it can mean the world to you. But know that line that when you're off duty, you're off duty. Yeah. yeah man, see, I, I heard somebody explain cops and PTSD as this, the difference between a soldier and a cop. Soldiers fly across the world to a foreign land and fight and kill people and get killed in foreign lands, Joe, and they're only there for a year. So that spot where your best friend got his head blown off, you don't ever have to see it again. Mm-hmm. But a cop, that that spot where that kid died in your arms, that got shot in the head, you drive past that spot every day. It's a constant reminder. Mm-hmm. It's there every day, and you don't get the separation from it. And I never thought about that. I was like, damn, man, that's true. Like I could take you down every street in Louisville. Like, oh, yeah, I remember where this happened here. This happened over there. Like, there's so many bad memories. Like, me going to the ER. Every time I go to the ER, the first thing I think about is my mother. Because we take all our mm-hmm. mental health people, we take them straight to the University of Louisville. And every time I go in there, I always think about me going into that sliding door and screaming, where's Idella Pitts? Where's Idella Pitts? Every time I go. Mm-hmm. And every time I go, I look at that bed 13 in the back of that room. And I think about me being in that room with my mom 13 years ago. It's still there and it never goes away. Yeah. Like I said, we mm-hmm. just have all these traumas. We keep stacking trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. You know, go home, drink a little bit, you know, go work some off duty. Then we just continue. We never really deal with it, man. And then yeah. you get to there where was, we are. Um, we, we get burned out and just unhealthy habits. Oh, for sure. There was um, one of the hospitals where I worked was the hospital that my dad passed away in, in the ICU. And I, he passed away my first year solo, my first, Mm. um, scheduled time off. Right. And, um, like my first two week block, which is right around Thanksgiving. And I remember coming back from that, then getting a call at that same hospital in the ICU for something very similar. So when, when I was there getting really personal real quick, um, when I was there with my dad, uh, they were going to pull my dad off life support, or they did, and then they put him into hospice care, but he was not in the, uh, he was not well enough to move to an actual hospice unit, so they were going to have him do hospice in the ICU. So he's there. I think me and my nieces went somewhere in the hospital, probably to the food court or something, came back, and my sister's flipping out at the nurse staff and like, what's going on? Well, they took uh, the monitors off my dad. And still alive, but took the monitors off. They're like, oh, well, we need it for patient X in this other room. Mm. And my sister's like, no, he's still alive. I still want to see his charts go up and everything like that. So whatever. So eventually, um, at one point, the director of security was like, we're going to have you leave. And I was like, no, wow. that's, that's what wow. we're not going to do is, is do that, right? So it all kind of calmed down, and we stayed, and everything kind of worked out. I get a call two weeks later or whatever it is when I'm working 
same ICU. Uh, guy in the ICU just found out his sister is passing away, and he's flipping out. He's having the same kind of, um, you know, the the seven signs of grief. Right? He was having the anger portion of it, and he was lashing out. And security was like, "Get him out of here! Get him out of here, or arrest him, or whatever." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> I pulled the security aside. I'm like, this is not how we do this. I was like, well, I'll calm him down. We can kind of do something to kind of bring this down, but we're not going to, um, we're not going to do this. But the same thing that you're saying, like going back to that hospital, I was always brought right back to Every that time. incident. And one of the biggest triggers for memory is smell. And for me, smelling those sandy cloths that they have, like that wipe yeah. down the hospital beds, always puts me right there. Or there's certain like yeah. tones I hear that I always heard in the ICU. There was one time we were at Panera Bread, off duty, whatever, and their sound for when an order was up was the same as my dispatch screen when you got a call dispatched to you. And I was, we were sitting there having lunch, and I could hear behind the counter, and I heard do do do, and I'm like, my body just perked <laughs> up, like. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go to a call. Um, but yeah, those those things, those traumatic things, and I mean, obviously, the maybe the dinging isn't traumatic, but you start building those those things. And one one uh, metaphor I heard is like it's putting pebbles in a fishbowl that's on top of your head, and eventually you're gonna put too many pebbles that's in there, and it's heavy. all gonna spill out. Yep. Yep. So I mean, <clears throat> it's really important to find things to take those pebbles out and kind of lessen that load because. Physically, you do start feeling that, right? Your your shoulders and your back start getting really tight on top of just the, the damage that the uniform does to you. Um, so the thing you said about the veteran versus the cop and, and the way we experience PTSD differently, I actually just had someone say that I... Because I've, I've used that metaphor exactly the same as you have, like the, the difference, but I, I'm not a vet, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but I've said the exact same thing. And I had someone say that I was minimizing vet trauma by doing that. No. And I'm like, I was like, no, that's literally the case. I mean, you know, you're not going to, whatever happened to you in Iraq, you're not going to be revisiting that every time you go to the grocery store. However, the traffic homicide you worked or where your buddy yeah. may have gotten shot on duty is totally different. That's one of those veterans I post about on that meme the other day about the vet, bro, mm -hmm. that he's a professional vet. Yes. Like, get out of here, bro. Like, I, I don't know why people get into this thing with comparing trauma. Like I'm more traumatized than you are. Like, that's not a badge of honor, bro. Like, we all, uh -huh. we all have trauma. I, I hate that. Well, you didn't serve. Well, you don't have to serve to have PTSD. You think people in the right, American right. streets, these young black kids in the hood, they done seen probably more shit than most of us, bro. Dude, the, mm -hmm. the schools mm -hmm. here in Louisville, you got kids wearing RIP shirts to school every day of their friends that died over the summer, and it's multiple friends. It ain't just combat mm -hmm. overseas that affects people. So when people say that, minimizing, that's, that's one of the new woke catchphrase words. You're minimizing. Like, no. No, we like God bless, dude. <laughs> Jesus, man. I, I, that's yeah, one thing I don't yeah, like. People, is I, I cannot stand professional veterans. I'm like, bro, you served for four years. You're 40 years old. That is a blip in your life, and you're letting that small four-year blip control your entire existence. And I'm saying this as a guy that got his ass blown off and almost died on the battlefield in Iraq. Hmm. It is okay. You can move past the three, four-year mark, bro. You don't have to be stuck in that. <laughs> Oh, now I served back in 03, bro. We a long way away from 03. Guess what? People uh -huh. that were born when I was serving are now in the military. It's okay. Like, right. hey, bro, it's right. time is gone. Time to move on. I'm not going to say just forget about it. Yo, you got to deal with your shit, but you can't stay stuck in the past. I cannot stand that. And so many guys, especially veterans and a lot of officers, just get stuck in that, man. And that's all they know. They just, 
professional veteran. You got to have the 5'11 tactical pants. You know, you got to have the 5'11 plaid shirt. And I remember this one guy, dude, I knew he was like so off the wall with it. And I was like, bro, look, I don't know what he did in the National Guard in Iraq. I think a lot of people exaggerate. Let's be honest, people do. We're sitting in a bar and he comes up to me. He's like, bro, in case I go down. My shit's in my waistband. I'm like, nigga, where are we? Like, what are you? <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, we are okay. Like, I've been there, bro. We are fine. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Like, yeah. like come, chill out, man. There's women. There's girls. Let's hey, let, let's get some chicks. Let's like, my God. Right. Let's have a good time. <laughs> let's not worry about it in case I go down. Man, I call it. I call it the misery Olympics. And like, you know, people the always like Olympics. to one up each other. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Like, like, oh, oh, Dex had six days straight. I had seven. Yeah. And someone's gonna come in, man. I haven't seen a day off since I was twenty-five. Man, stop. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that, man. Just be like, oh, Dex, you're tired. Yeah, I'm tired Me too. too. Well, yeah. Let, let's let's talk about some stuff. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Man, I, I can't um, stand that stuff, bro. Oh my god. That... <laughs> yeah, it, it's so bad, and and you can see it coming a mile away. You're like, oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah. God, those are the people you want to cross the street when they start walking yeah. towards you. That's <laughs> that's the real problem, right there. Yeah, you definitely can see them coming from a mile away, bro. They like they're just so oh, yeah. negative and just, oh my god, I can't. I say, man, I just I don't have the emotional energy in my life anymore. Y'all to be Mm-mm. so negative and like I said with the podcast. That's one reason I'm glad I have the podcast in the book, yo, because. Man, one thing I've always questioned myself as a cop for years, I would sit and talk to my wife, especially during 2020, 2021. I was like, yo, what would I be doing if I wasn't a cop? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I besides a cop and a veteran? You know, and I've asked myself that for years. And it's like I was so ate up in this career and I just couldn't answer that question. And it's just like, I don't know who is Dexter Pitts without the uniform, man. And man, for my whole life, I've always been kind of who people wanted me to be. Yeah, now I've always just kind of been a chameleon and blending in here and there, yo, and just kind of being whatever to just be cool and fit in, you know. And then that's why I named my book "I Am Pitts" because I figured out at the end of the day, no matter what goes on in my life, I've had these certain life experiences that have happened to me and shaped me, and have made me into who I am. And God did not create any of us to be a photocopy of other people, but for some odd reason, mm-hmm. especially in America, we're dying to be like everybody else. Like, man, we are all unique and we are all our own individuals. And But for some reason, we just want to be like everybody else because it looks so great yes. on social media. And that's why I said I am Pitts. That's who I am, man. I'm nobody. Like, I'm a cop. Yeah, sure. I'm a veteran. Sure. I'm a Christian. Sure. I'm a father. I'm a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I'm Dexter Pitts, bro. That's it. Ain't nobody else like me. I'm unique in my own special way. You're 10-8. Ain't nobody else like you. Nobody, man. Everybody's got their own path in life. We have to walk, but stop trying to walk down paths that God never intended you to walk down because that is never your path, you know? And mm-hmm. when you follow somebody else's mm-hmm. path, you're going to get off course. You know, it, it, you just have to find your own way. And it's so scary to go out and find your own way. Cause it's so uncomfortable because oh, you're yeah. going against the grain. You're going against what society thinks. And that's absolutely Okay. You know, you got to be comfortable yeah. being you and love you and who you are, bro. And I know that sounds cliche and like cheesy, but literally at the end of the day, you have to because don't nobody out here really care about you. Like, you know, it's just it's just facts. man. Right. People exactly. are selfish. And especially in this, like when I started getting into the whole social media law enforcement thing, I was like, oh, damn, bro. It's like it's like you said, hey, there's a lot of snakes out here, man. There's a lot of people that just trying to make a name, trying to say some shit. And it's just like, <sighs> yeah, no, nah, I don't want to be involved in none of that, man. Oh yeah, man. It, it's it gets to the point where it's like, okay, 
No, like I, I'll be honest. Like I started the page as a meme page, right? Whatever. And the more I started interacting with some of these meme pages, I'm like, okay, I need to separate from this just because it's so not me, you know? And then I get into conversations with people like you or, or, you know, uh, Aaron Lohman's another big one where like just these smart people in the same kind of mindset. And it's like, Hey man, (laughs) I, I said it, I said it. Um, but I mean, it, it really, you know, you start forging your path. And I think it's interesting because we have in this thing called life, like we have role models, we have, um, mentors and everything, but I feel like it's so hard to find true ones these days. It's almost like yeah. the, the way I see it now is almost like we're each other's role models. Like, like you can hold someone up to a, a pedestal or whatever, but a lot of the times the true growth comes from people helping people, which is really what law enforcement is supposed to be anyway. But on a, on a personal level, like, you know, just like how I've been hitting you up about different things and you hit me up and then I hit someone else up and like that back and forth. I think that's where the growth comes because at the end of the day, it is just you. But at the same time to quote the Beatles, right? You get by with a little help from your friends, you know? And I think, I think that's where it all kind of comes down to. And eventually you take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you kind of figure out where you want to be. And for everybody out there who wants to be Joe Rogan Jr. or David Goggins Jr. or Jocko Jr., like that's great for them, right? But they're they're literally selling a brand. Each of those gentlemen that I just mentioned, they're their own brand and they're selling it. And they want you to buy Jocko Fuel. They want you to buy one of Joe Rogan's 9,000 sponsors. They, you know, they want you to buy their latest book. And it's great if like a piece of that matches your mission. That's great. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't try to be them. Like, you know, I, I, uh, I shared something the other day. There's a social media guy that I follow. who's really funny. And he's like, you know, I saw Joe Rogan talking about intermittent fasting. I'm three days into it. And I, I, I stopped like I'm eating my third meal of the morning. Like it just didn't work out. Right. He's like, who am I trying to be? Joe Rogan's like, I don't have it. Cool. Like be your own thing. Obviously he's being humorous about it, but that's kind of how I see just life and progressing and maturity and things like that is like, I'm not going to be Dexter Pitts. I think, I think I'm going to make some mac and cheese. That's going to, going to be close with you. but I'm not going to be Dexter Pitts. Right. But there's obviously things that I've learned from you and I've seen from you that I'm like, Oh, I want to live life. Like, like your, your amount of like, just, just go with it is like second to none. And that's how I always feel like, you know, WWDPD, <laughs> what would Dexter Pitts do? <laughs> that's how I sit here. Dude. Yeah. But you know what, man? And also one thing I learned you know, that you learn real quick in the podcast game and especially in the law enforcement piece of it, who's really in your corner, who's not man, who wants you to grow. And I honestly think a lot of people, it's so self-driven. Like people don't want people to shine brighter than the other. And that's one mm-hmm. thing I realized because I've asked a lot of people for some help before on how to do certain things. And man, people get that football and they tuck it away. Like, Nope, I don't want you to grow mm-hmm. brighter than me, bro. So, you know, I've had people I've asked about like shirt t-shirts and how to do it. Cause I have no clue how to do a lot of this stuff. A lot of this, where I've come to, I've just learned on my own, yo, but Oh, I'll get back oh, yeah. with you. Ain't never got back with me. Hit them up. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm busy. Like, okay. Yeah, but I've also I've had a lot of people reach out and really try to help me like you. There's a guy I met, uh, Phil Blackman, a bunch of great guys I've met in this space that are like, yeah, I'm going to try to help you grow. But there's also a lot. I think there's a lot more that don't want to see you grow more than them. You know? So it's kind of like you learn real quick, dude. 
it's it's grimy out here, man. And right. it's grimy out here on social media. Oh yeah, it, it's 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 unfortunate. And you know, I grew up in a in a musician. Well, not grew up, but like when I was eighteen, nineteen, I was in a band, and the same thing happened in bands too. Like we're not, no one here is going for the next big record deal, right? We're all just a bunch of sweaty kids in a garage. But there were so many people that were like, oh no, we're not going to tell you how we booked this gig because then you're going to play this gig and we're going to, you know, you're going to be more popular than us or whatever it might be. But then you got plenty of people that are like, Hey man, not only will I help you book this gig, but you can sleep on my floor when you play like, you know, and, and that's always been my mindset. And a lot of the time I make my show and I I think about the future and I model it out of my punk rock beginnings where it's just like, like right now we're trying to figure out how we can bring our merch, even though it's cheesy and whatever. I know it's top quality. I love it. (laughs) I appreciate it. Try to bring it to like conferences, you know, like small ones or whatever, just to start selling it there and get the name out, get the word out about the show and things like that. And I don't know the right way to do it, but I know how I want to do it. I'm like, we're going to get a fold up table. We'll put the boxes in the back of my car. We'll drive for six hours. We'll like literally (laughs) what I used to do when I was in my band. Like, I don't know if that's the way it's supposed to be, but it'll work. And again, like if someone at the conference is like, oh man, you should, you know, like, and that's, I'm always, first off, I'm always a student, always ready to learn something new. And then I've had people come up to me and go, yo, you know, I've heard you worked with this training company or you're tight with this training. How do I get in contact with it? And I'm like, here's their email. Here's their phone number. Like, as long as it's cool with that person for me to hand out that information, I'm going to do it. Why, why, why else would we like gatekeep that information and stop people from enjoying? And at the very, very minimum, it gives them something outside of the job to do. Right. So it's like, I can't tell you how many people go, Hey man, what program do you use to make memes? I'm not going to be like, Oh, I don't know. Trade secret. (laughs) (laughs) Just type in, type in meme on your app store and I think you'll find it. But there's so many people that are just weird about it. It it really is. And, uh, luckily we have people like you and and several of the other people that i've had on my show just are all about growth and they're all about making sure other people learn and and get on and and everything so i really first off appreciate your time for today man Uh, speaking of things you need to teach me actually no it's gonna bring up mac and cheese again but (laughs) i I did want to say that i'm making i'm making mac and cheese this weekend right and I told you this in our group chat, but I said uh, I Googled black people mac and cheese because I wanted to get it right. I wanted to get it right. <laughs> and our good buddy Lamont, he sent me a recipe. So that's the one we're using. There it is. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to show you. I'll send see, it to you. I'm a more of an and, eater uh, of the mac and cheese than a maker. And also, I, uh-huh. I just start. I've been doing carnivore, so. I ain't really been messing with oh, the mac doing and that? cheese, okay. man. I saw that pulled pork you Bro, made, man. That looks really it good. It was my first shot, man. It, was, it turned out nice. Wasn't mm. too bad, man. I got I got my smoker a few months ago, and that was the first thing I put on it was was a pork butt. Oh man! And I was very happy. It took forever to cook. Twelve hours. Yeah, day. I didn't realize it was going to take that long. But yeah, it was but it definitely was so worth it. worth it, man. Like, and that's the other thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get myself healthy again, yeah, because you know, as cops, mm-hmm. especially being on night shift, but you make all the bad choices, man. Just everything. Everything. Got free sodas at the store. Oh, uh-huh. I was just like, man, I was getting fat. I was looking at my pictures from when I was 2019 from when I was in the Border Patrol of the Academy. Just lean and mean. Boy, I was a monster. And I'm looking at myself now like, damn, what happened, man? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah, and I'm just looking at my wife like, don't look at me like that, girl. <laughs> like, I know you're disappointed. <laughs> man, so am I. <laughs> man, I looked at uh, J- June of 2021, right? Right before life really took a shit in my world. Um, but I was at the lightest I've been since the police Academy. And I was like, man, 
that's that's the guy right there. And then I looked at the mirror. I was like, oof, that is not the guy right yeah. there. You know, but story of every again, uh, <laughs> yeah, brick brick by brick, man. We're gonna we're gonna build it back up. So well, you, you know, know, and that's why step by step. I tell people, you know, so I didn't realize. Like I talked about on my last podcast, yo, but my testosterone was jacked up. I didn't even know it, man. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the you know the cortisol that gets released in your system. So, you know, cortisol only kicks on when you go into fight or flight, when you get ready to fight. Right. But, dude, when you're turned on like we were in 2020 for a whole year and a half every day, yep. it messes your endocrine system up, bro. And I did not realize that my hormones were out of whack. Like I said, I was having trouble sleeping. Man, I was, like, getting fat. I got all the waist, uh, the belly fat, man. Just not interested in things that a man should be interested in. Did not care. Mm-hmm. And that's that was super bizarre for me. I was like, man, what's going on? I mean, like, I just not, I mean, it was, I was miserable, depressed, and like, I don't know so, what's going on. Yeah. And my buddy, he's a Marine veteran, dude. If I told you how this guy was when we started policing in 2010 to how he is now, you would think somebody killed him and took him over as a different person. Bro, literally, because he's a complete different person. He was like, man, I went to the, and got my testosterone levels checked. I was like super low on testosterone. He's like, and now he's a different man. Man, I started taking the treatments, dude. It's also, well, first I got my blood, my, or my testosterone levels checked. I was like, I dipped below two. I was like 200. And the thing was, mm-hmm. man, before the riots, I was like sitting at four or five. And that, mm-hmm. in that time frame, in a year and a half, I dropped almost half of my testosterone level down. Did not know that. And that explained all the crazy dysfunction I was having. And man, I tell any officer that's been going that went through all that, go get your shit checked, man. If you're having some sort of issues, go get checked. I'm telling you, don't be prideful. I'm telling you, as a man, I'm telling you, go get checked, dog. <laughs> it is worth it. And you know, I'll be I'll be straight with you too. Like so, uh, my my department paid for all of us to get blood work and ultrasounds and everything done over the summer. And yeah, mine was low too. And she was the nurse practitioner that ran it was like, Oh, just try taking this supplement and this supplement. It should bump your numbers up. And, uh, as I'm going through the next six months, I'm like, nothing's working. Like, uh, you know, my, my weight staying the same. I might lose like a pound here or there, but it's staying the same tired, all these other things. Right. And, uh, so I finally went to my personal doctor and was like, I need to get these levels checked. Cause this is not me. It doesn't matter how much work I, working out. I do how much I cut back eating wise. Mm-hmm. Nothing's working, and uh, I ha- I'm actually right now waiting on the results, but I'm also reading about hypothyroidism, which actually runs in my family, mm. and those two things, low testosterone and hypothyroidism, go hand in hand. So if your thyroid's going off, then your testosterone level is going to be naturally low, and then you're going to be in really bad shape. So there's several police officers that I've talked to, you you now make like 10, uh, that have checked, and their numbers are way low, and they're taking uh replacement treatment to go up and you know i think you're right i think 2020 obviously made a big difference with it and just our society in general we're all kind of away from that testosterone driven lifestyle we're all very sedentary Mm -hmm. in some way shape or form it's it's toxic you know even yeah 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 (laughs) it's it's toxic (laughs) toxic lack of masculinity (laughs) at this point um so yes i agree if you're feeling if you're gaining some crazy weight or you know sleeping more than usual or as dexter says not in in, uh interested in things a man should be interested in uh check your numbers because mine were under two mine were super low yeah 
So uh, I'm just waiting for that that text from my doctor or the call from my doctor to start getting the shots because I'm like, let's let's go do it. Like, bro. I'm ready. I tell everybody ready. do it and get your blood work done. You're like, so what sparked me to go on the carnivore thing, bro? Was like, man, I got my blood work done. You know, like I'm di- I've been diabetic for God dang, bless me since like 2009, and I've never really I've never really had issues with it, yo. But I was really starting to have a lot of problems with from diabetes. Like my like I remember my um, when I was in Florida. I had to go to the VA because I was driving and all of a sudden my mm-hmm. vision got blurry. I'm like, what the hell, man? Bro, like I could mm-hmm. not, I could hardly see. And then they're like, your blood sugar's super high, man. And my A1C was super high. And I'm just like, what am I doing wrong, doc? Like you're eating bullshit, man. Like, you know, you're, I'm working out, but what's the point in working out if you're not feeding your body the right stuff, yo? So man, I realized a couple weeks ago, like, bro, I got to get myself together. And, you know, being on night shift sucks and it hurts, but I'm just like... I can't control that, but what I can control is what I put in my body. And in talking to any mm-hmm. cop out there, you can control that. Problem is, we don't realize that we're addicted to carbohydrates and all these other sugars. And, you know, maybe it's not the carnivore diet for you. Maybe it's keto. Maybe it's, well, I don't know. Everybody's got their thing that they got to try. Like, I do intermittent fasting as well. But, but we have to get healthy as officers, man. Like I said, if you can't save yourself, how are you going to save somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know. It, yeah, no, you, you were talking earlier about suicide being the epidemic. Well, obesity is right underneath it for law enforcement. And really, one's going to lead to another. If I could guess, I don't have the statistics, but now I want to look. But you got you got suicide, obviously. But then you've got, it's got to be like th- one, two, three, uh, obesity and alcoholism. It's got to be like one, two, oh, three. Yeah. And all those things tie into the same thing. So you, you've got to get your mind right. you got to get your body right because... First off, job performance is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, how are you going to save somebody else if you can't <clears throat> save yourself? But also, all those things. I had a I had a coworker send me a video, and I'm not I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist, right? But I can be. But so she sent me like, does anyone think it's weird how everyone's just so depressed and so anxious and blah, not sleeping well? And you know, she was trying to make it a conspiracy thing that you know the CERN super collider <laughs> causes all the bubble. I was like, or at least the demons, or we're <laughs> yeah, or we're super malnourished and dehydrated, and that's why we're you know emotionally and behaviorally so fucked. So, you know, it, I I agree completely. Get your get your body right, get your mind right, get uh, get your levels checked. Not a doctor, but no. this is just yeah. person to person. This is what I would do. This is what I have done. I, yeah. I, I agree completely. I've not had a drink since the drunk cops episode, man. Oh I'm wow! Not, Good for yeah, you, man. I've had triglycerides uh, were high. I had one night. <laughs> was that triglycerides were high? My blood work. I was like, "What the hell, man?" And I realized, like, mm-hmm. I've never really drank a lot, but the last year, a <laughs> few years, mm-hmm. I drank more. more than normal. And it's yeah. I um I had a I had a night with uh, Frank Castle, right? And uh, he up, came Frank? down to Florida. We went out. We we turned it up, and then yeah. uh, after that, I was like, "All right, I'm I'm gonna stop for a little bit." And it started out with the 75 hard thing I was doing. And now it's just like, let's see how long I can go. Like I I have no cravings for it or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was never a problem. You know, I, I never like felt the need that I needed to drink or anything, but you know, in that case, let's, let's just see. And, uh, coming up on a week now of, of not, ha- or not a week <laughs> coming up on a month now of not having a drink. And, you know, do I feel any different? No, but you know, it's, it's stuff that's not needed one way or another either. Yeah, no, I can tell you, I definitely feel different. You know, so I'm, I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again, but I'm saying that I'm trying to get my body back to a good state of being like, 
Like I'm not going to say I'm never going to eat you know, carbs again because I just don't think that's realistic. But trying to get my body back to a healthy state to where it can process this stuff as it should. And the thing problem is, right. you know, some people say they don't believe in moderation. I absolutely believe in moderation. You're like, you can drink alcohol, but you just can't drink alcohol every night. You can have a right. piece of cake. Right. You can't have cake every day. You know, mm-hmm. you can love gummy bears. You just can't eat them every day. You know, and some of us, yeah. man, like me, I, I'm not a very addictive person, but when it comes to sweets and sugars, oh, bro, like yeah, I, I have to stay away from that stuff right. as, Sign me yeah, up. Yeah. as much as possible. Because once I open that door, it's a wrap. Like, see, I can stop drinking alcohol and not ha- never drink it again. I'll be okay. But put them gummy bears in front of me, bro. Oh, yeah. Put that oh, mac yeah. and cheese gummy in front bears. of me. Mm, it's yeah. a <laughs> man, that's, that's the draw, man. I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, you know, it's even like I, I'm listening to a new book. It's uh, Atomic Habits. And he basically says, you know, you may not crave a chocolate chip cookie, but if someone puts a plate of chocolate chip cookies on the counter, you're going to grab half a dozen just because they're there, right? Yep. And that's a thousand percent me. Like, I, I will, like, right now, you know, if I never had a chocolate chip cookie, I'm good. But if they were on the counter right now when I, when we finish up, you know, I'm going to keep grazing. That's just, that's my personality. You know, it's it's important to realize that and then kind of move on from that and, and eliminating those temptations. And, uh, he had, I'm listening to it cause I can't read and, and um, <laughs> but he had said something to the effect of like complete abstinence from whatever your vice is, is not a realistic goal. The, the real, I mean, obviously alcohol is heroin, one thing, meth, but yeah. heroin, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, for, for things to the extent of a chocolate chip cookie or whatever, you know, just moderation is always a, a very good uh, idea of that. I That's think, why I'm too. fat, man. So. I blame it on police roll call, man. I want to go back to 2020 when people hated us and nobody was bringing goodies to the station. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So yeah, there's you no gotta, temptation. You gotta go back to an agency that don't like you. Yeah, man. man like, man, hell, we ain't giving y'all no damn pizza party. I ain't getting shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, yeah. now where I'm at, man, we, we, yeah. there's always like somebody brought in brownies the other night, but I was yep. so full from eating. I was like, yeah, I think I'm good on the brownies, bro. So I was proud of myself. <laughs> right, you were you were too uh, too full from the free lunch that you got on the way into the there station. So that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, man. Working with people I love you. It's like, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, that's how it is here. Like when I was working days, it was always, oh, such and such from this bakery just dropped off five dozen boxes of donuts. I'm like. No, <laughs> like, I mean, that's part of the reason I gained the weight, man. Like it was, it was hard to say no to free. Listen, when I was in college and I was rude. broke, <laughs> exactly, man, free food was better than money some days. So it was like, oh, it's free. I can't, can't say no. Don't look the gift horse in the mouth, man. So yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a true struggle, man. Um, all right, Dexter, we're going to wrap up in just a little bit here. I do have a few listener questions that I want to oh, run by yeah, you, and then yeah, I'll do my rocking. last little bit. Let's Got a few. Uh, most of them are from your boy. Ah, the rooftop Korean. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hold on one second. What's going on here? Here we go. The first one is actually from our buddy CJ from the Drunk Cops episode, and he wants to know, do I get my hood pass yet? Mm, no, I'm giving out. I'm giving them out at a discounted rate for uh, 2023, plus we're in Black History Month. Come on through. Oh, that's true. That's true. Wakanda forever. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Send me an email, man. I'll send you. I'll send you. All right, man. Um, Next one. What's uh, what's the biggest adjustment at your new PD? Biggest adjustment at my new PD. Going back to night shift. It's a beast. I I absolutely hate nights. Hate it. What about? So you prefer days? Oh God, yes. So I we had a guy that got hired before me. So he literally just quit and went to another small to PD in Louisville. You know, now, 
I'll be taking his spots on mid-shift from 3 p.m. to 1 a.m., which is my favorite shift of all time. Oh, there so you go. thank okay. God. I'm just, like, waiting out my time, man. I cannot wait to get all <laughs> I feel you. All right. This, guy, this, this is uh, your buddy Jay. He goes, what is your special dish that you make in the kitchen and what you bring into the barbecue? Korean ribs, man. What else? <laughs> <laughs> Make the Koreans proud. There you go. There you go. For the culture. That's right. Um, any plans to write another book? Uh, I do. Pl- no, it's weird. I said I would never write another book because it was such a daunting task, but I am in the process of getting started. I haven't actually, I've gotten the ideals down, so it's in the works. It's in the process. And the thing is going this time forward, I'm the mistakes I made on the first one, I'm not going to make this time. Because I realized that mm-hmm. the book world is just as grimy as any other world. I kind of got took taking this book with the guy I brought hired to help me and paid him a lot of money. And he did a shit job on the editing. And he told me, he was like, well, if it's wrong, mm-hmm. just tell him I messed it up. So I'm telling him, he, this dude messed it up for me, man. All the grammatical and mm-hmm. stuff, mistakes, which shouldn't have been in there. So it really pissed me off. But I'm be making another book, but I'm not going to be using him. <laughs> nice, nice. Let's see, the last one we got is uh, which politicians would you go golfing with? Man, I wouldn't mind going golfing with Donald Trump, honestly, God. Yeah, yeah. Probably the only one I go golfing with. Yeah, I feel like he'd keep it real, too. Have you seen the videos of, like, them doing the back-off challenge with him? No, I have not. Oh, man, there, there's some good ones. There's some there's some good ones. You got to look them up. Just, like, Donald Trump back-off challenge, and as he's teeing <laughs> off, they talk all that shit. It's good. Yeah. All right, so I've got a few questions for you. These are the ones that I wrap every episode up with. Um, just kind of getting your insight on some things as soon as I can find the file. All right, here we go. Uh, what's the best book you've read recently? Man, actually, I just got through reading uh, Black Hearts. Uh, that's a book about the 101st Airborne Division in uh, the Triangle of Death in 2006 when they had two of their uh, two uh, two soldiers got kidnapped. So what sparked that was because I had buddies in my battalion in the 10th Mountain Division that went there the following year and the same thing happened to them. You know? So I wanted to know what happened with that unit and how it got to the point to where not only that, they had soldiers that went on like went rogue and they went to a house and they kidnapped an Iraqi girl like 14. They raped oh. her and they killed her whole family. And I was kind of I just wanted to kind of get the mindset of how that happened. And the one thing I got out of that book is how crucial leadership is. Shitty leadership mm-hmm is the downfall of everything. These guys had horrible mm-hmm. leadership and their leadership failed them. And because of that, they, I mean, they can't take the leadership's not going to take a hundred percent the fault for what they did, but leadership definitely laid the groundwork and created the conditions for which sparked all that to happen. So that's, it was a really good mm-hmm. book. And I'll tell y'all, I'm like today, I'm a horrible reader. I'm very slow. <laughs> so I do audiobooks mm-hmm. all day long. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's all I do. Yep. I'm, Audible changed my life. Oh my god, I it's so you. great! It's great. It, it, I get so much done, and I drive an hour each way to work, so it's like perfect time just yeah. to bust through a couple of books. Um, that's really the book sounds good, and your 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 take on leadership really can be applied to leadership at any level, any yes, family, arena, everything. Yes, yeah. You look at you know if the leadership, if people act out, what caused that person to act out? What caused that environment? And I look at what's going on in Memphis, and I'm like, all right, well, what was the leadership in that environment? What caused yes. that? You know, and it just kind of makes you things that make you go. Hmm, She's from Atlanta. You know, the chief was from Atlanta, and I was like, yeah, I know something yeah. about Atlanta. We got two Atlanta chiefs in Louisville, so 
Yeah. (laughs) Say less. Um, All right. What is something you do to ground yourself? Oh, what do I do to ground myself? Man, that's a good question, bro. I don't really... I need, probably need to find something to ground myself, but I mean, it was going to the gym, but like I've not been in two weeks because I've been so tired. Usually going to the gym, man, and hitting the weights pretty hard releases the endorphins and get, it's a good stress relief. But I've just sure. been so tired since I switched over to carnivore diet. You know, my body's mm-hmm. adjusting to that. Yo, and this like, that stint on night shift, man. That's man, that has been rough getting to the gym, but definitely going to the gym is one of those things for me. Like I said, I, other than that, that's there ain't much, much else to me that outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you do for self care? Gym, definitely the gym. I I have to. I I'm a fat body by nature, man. I <laughs> I like to eat, so I have to counterbalance my horrible nutritional habits with literally, you know, going to the gym and working out. Man, mm-hmm. it's I have to. If I don't, I'm I'm where I'm at, I'm where I'm at where I'm at now. Where it's like. I just feel like crap and I'm tired and I got in order to get energy. I have to go expend the energy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people think going to the gym makes you tired when really it gives you energy. Yes, it's kind it of does. interesting how that works. Would you open an envelope with your death date written inside? Hell no. No, no. nope. Don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, would you be friends with yourself? Yeah, I would, man. I would. I would. I think I am friends with myself. Good. I think that's important. My mom always said, you know, you had you have to love yourself before you can love other people. And I think it's taken me a long time to get there. I think the the big thing I keep seeing is like, you know, talk to yourself the way you talk to a friend type of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm working on that. You know, I still kind of talk to myself like the old drill sergeant kind of thing. Like, <laughs> oh, are you worth this piece of shit? But we're working on it. It'd be quiet we're talking. You don't want nobody else to hear you talking to yourself. Like, what's wrong with that fool in that? Who are you talking to? <laughs> What's going on? Talking there? to yeah. me, man. Yeah, I guess weird looks. For... <laughs> uh, what do you want from other people? Man, honestly, what I want from other people is almost back in line. What we were just talking about, man. Treat others how you want to be treated. At the end of the day, just be a decent human being. You know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. Yo, and the Bible says that, you know, there's no good person. No, not one. The only perfect person that's lived and walked the surface was Jesus Christ, which none of us will ever live up to that level. But just because we know we'll never reach that level does not mean that we should not strive to be as such. I have my flaws. You have your flaws. We all have our flaws. We got our shortcomings, Joe. But that doesn't mean that we have to go out of our way to be a shitty person. I just don't. I don't like crappy people, man. Like people that go out of their way to do the wrong thing, to screw people. You know, I I, we have enough of that in the world. And I don't want to add to Mm -hmm. that. Nobody should add to that. I don't want to be the catalyst that breaks somebody's mind. Or that breaks somebody and, you know, sends them off on a tyrant, you know, on a tyrant, man. I just don't want to be that person, dude. Like, I tell people, Mm -hmm. I try to be the best person I can. I really do. I don't always get it right, but I feel like I do decent most of the time. Think about other people. Don't just think about yourself. It ain't just about you. You ain't the only one living on this earth by yourself. Here, it ain't about you. It's about all of us Mm -hmm. collectively, no matter what color, race, religion. At the end of the day, man, just be a decent person. Be respectable. Respect people. That's it. It's that simple, man. And we could make this thing so much better. Yep, I agree. What sort of impact are you looking to make and how will you make it? Uh, I really want to, man, help try to save lives, bro. And I got a message from a guy the other day. I posted it on my story. And it's, it's the first message I got like that in a while where he's like, man, thank you for writing this book. Like, man, I've been going through and struggling. You know, and it's just like I'm, I get to the point where I've, okay, so the book's been out a year. I've been doing the podcast a while, you know, but 
it's grown, but it's not like super grown. And I'm looking at like my followers and I'm like, oh, man, nobody's listening. Nobody cares. Or, you know, who's really, you know, and I, I start I discourage myself and I'm thinking like this isn't really worth it. And, you know, I don't really think mm-hmm. I'm making an impact or a difference. But that one little message right there shows me that I'm making a difference. And that's how I, yes. I want my book. I don't care about making money and being rich. If I had the ability to give everybody a free book and a free audio book, I would. I just don't, man. But I just want people to read that book and realize, bro, you are not alone in the struggle. Like I said, you might not be able to identify with getting blown up in Iraq. You might not be able to identify with being a cop or losing your mom on duty. But there is something, there's a struggle that you are battling that you can identify with. And I think anybody that reads my book can identify with just the struggle of life. And I want people to realize that you are not alone. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be ashamed about it. You get depressed. It's okay. It's normal. It's all part of the human condition, man. And that's what I want. I just really want to help people. If I can just save one life, one career, I've done enough. That's more than enough for me, man. That's kind of where I'm at as well. Um, There are definitely days when, like, like we said in the beginning, like social media gets frustrating. The podcast gets frustrating, get tired kind of contemplate like is this part of my life worth it is it worth the time effort money that i spend into Mm -hmm. it and then you get that one message where it's like hey man um i sought out therapy because of you i you know did this i was gonna i was going down this path and i chose a different way because of something you said hey thanks for posting this um and then it's like oh that's that's pretty rad i didn't you know again one person can that that's what you do it for Mm -hmm. right that's the only reason why i don't post and you don't post for self gratification. I mean, yeah, it feels good to, you know, have someone like a yeah. meme or something like that, but Natural. at the end of the day, the real reason is things like that and it 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 really makes a difference. How do you define the word friendship? How do I define friendship? I would define it kind of in the biblical sense whereas uh, if you're willing to lay your life down for that person, that's a friend. That's that's a friend right there, man. How do you define the word happy and what makes you happy? How do I find the word happy? I define the word happy as a temporary emotion. And what makes me happy? Man, oh, geez. <laughs> what makes me happy? That's a good question. I don't think about what makes me happen and happy enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what makes me happy? Right. Food? <laughs> yeah, Food yeah. makes me happy. I'm, I'm with you, you with know? that, man. Uh, another thing, another, another adult things yeah. make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right now that you get your tea face uh, bringing that joy back that's to right life. all right man last one i got for you what do you think is the meaning of life uh the meaning of life uh, i will sum it up in the biblical sense love god with all your heart and love thy neighbor that's it i say man we have like people get so deep into the religious pit and the hole and all this stuff and division and all this i'm like and at the end of the day i think people miss the simplest most basic part of it all Love thy neighbor. That's it. Be decent, man. Mm-hmm. See, you ain't got to be perfect. If you make a mistake, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Forgive that person. Move on, man. Literally be a decent person. Yeah. That's it. You know, just the other day I had a incident with some road rage that I it, – it was, it was stupid, right? When I leave the gym, there's always crazy traffic yeah, and some guy cut rage. me off. And he was pissed, right? Yeah, and and of course he had the lifted truck and the yeet yeet and all that stuff. And uh, Trump twenty twenty, you know, but <laughs> <In the back. laughs> right, but you know, you you kind of then you get to choose how you respond to that, right? I could have been, I could have honked my horn, flipped him off, you know, whatever, and I didn't. And I've thought about 
times when I have screwed up driving, right? And I've cut someone off or whatever. And I'm always quick to be like, hey, that's that's on me. You know, my, my, my windows are tinted, so they can't really see. <laughs> but, I, you know, I put my hand up and I make sure it's obvious that it's not one finger but all five. And, uh, you know, you're right. Like, think, like you said in the beginning, everyone's going through the struggle one way or another. And maybe dude cut me off because he's late for work and, you know, this is his fifth day late this week or whatever. I don't know. But there's no reason to instigate anything further. I don't – I will never see that guy mm-hmm. again. So there's no point in it, right? So at the end of the day, just being decent to people and even if someone is indecent to you in one way or another doesn't mean that, one, you have to be indecent to that person or indecent to somebody else yep. and kind of – perpetuate that cycle of misery or the misery Olympics, as I said. So I agree, man. And just like everything, you know, I I appreciate everything you've said, all your insights. Um, If people want to get in contact with you, if they want to check out the book or the podcast, where do they find it? So before I say that, let me, let me say this, but I kind of want to get into a road rage incident with somebody and I just want to roll my window down a good time and yell, the South going to rise again. Just to throw, (laughs) just to throw people off. Uh Just to make uh You know, but no, nah, man, uh, you can find me at on Instagram. That's where I'm most active, I guess you could say, as uh, I am Pitts, the number one. I am Pitts one. I'm on there. Give me a follow. Uh, the book, man, you can get the book. Uh, go to IamPitts.com, and there's a link there where you can order the book. Or I tell people if you want to order a signed copy from me, drop me an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com. And also, I just released a freaking audio book. Thank God. Mm-hmm. My God, the audio book yeah. is read by me, yours truly. It was a task. My God, I never want to do it again, but I probably will. And I'm not just saying this to say this. I, mean, I read a lot of audiobooks. I Man, it's it's, a, it's spectacular. Um, not to toot my own horn, but it, I think most people, you will really, really enjoy the audiobook if you listen to it, man. Nice. The emotions in it, the inflections, man. Like I say, there's parts in it I mess up on. You can, you'll can you catch it, but, man, you will mm-hmm. enjoy the audiobook. So just go to Audible. Go to IamPits.com uh, and click on the links on Amazon, and it'll have the link on for the audiobook there. So you can go there, man. And also, I have the I Am Pits Memoirs of a, I Am Pits Memoirs of American Patriot Facebook page, which don't get that much love, man. There's not a lot of people using Facebook as they used to, bro. Yeah, Facebook's falling <clears throat> it's off. It's really yeah. falling off, man. But that's other than that, that's pretty much it, man. That's where I can be found awesome. at. So. And then uh, everyone listening, um, I don't know what's going to come first, the next black cops or the next drunk cops, but either way, we're going to have Dexter on one of those, even if he's uh, sitting out the alcohol. We'll see how that oh, goes yeah. from there. Also, but, oh, yeah, uh, I forgot uh, my podcast, the Iron Pits podcast. You can listen to that oh, on any major, any major podcasting platform, man. So definitely tune in, you know, listen up. Like I said, I think you'll enjoy it. I do a lot of solo shows, but hopefully I'm going to get this man right here. With the white man with the forever hood pass on my podcast. <laughs> hey, that's it, man. I appreciate it. That's what I appreciate. It. All right, Dexter, this was awesome. I appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. All right, man. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Everyone, listen, stay tuned. We'll wrap it up in just a minute. And once again, a very special thanks to my guest and de facto co-host this week, Dexter Pitts, for his appearance today as well as all of his insight and uh, the, the different topics he touched on. Really meant a lot. Very insightful. I appreciate it. And uh, Dexter, you are a friend of the show. You are welcome on any time you want. 
So, folks, this is typically the part of the episode where I wrap up and I tell you to, you know, spay and neuter your animals. And what I'm, I'm joking, that's Bob Barker. But this is the part where I kind of sum things up and then I send you on your merry way. And all that is coming up, but since I didn't have my intro seg- segment today, uh, in lieu of having Dexter talk a little bit extra, I just want to touch on a few topics real quick and then we're going to close the show out. My first topic is. We talked about it during the episode, and we're going to talk about it more next week. I made Nashville hot chicken and mac and cheese the weekend after I recorded this episode, and both of those things came out amazing. Dexter even said it looked like fried chicken that would come from a neighborhood with a high crime rate. That's his words, not mine. It was very, very good. Uh, The spice was just right, and the mac and cheese was on point. Special thanks to Lamont Quarker for that recipe. Also, I caught my stove on fire cleaning my cast iron the very next day from all the grease that came from the the cooking. So, I mean, it was it was perfect. It was well worth it. The kitchen is still there, so we're all good. Um, more on food in just a moment. Secondly, a very big topic for me recently is testosterone levels. We talked about it very briefly at the end of our conversation, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. You want to talk about stigma. A man with low testosterone is very quietly talked about when in my recent experience it's becoming more and more prevalent now like i said dex and i talked about it right at the end and his insight is very true based on the things that i researched about it. stress can definitely lower your testosterone levels especially extreme stress Now, if you haven't checked your levels recently, here's some signs that you should be looking for that should be your red flags. Uh, Changes in sleep patterns, whether it's insomnia or extreme fatigue or just sleep disturbances if you're not sleeping right. Um, Physical changes such as increased body fat and loss of muscle mass. Uh, Listen, if you're starting to get, you know, the moobs, the man boobs and, you know, kind of it's one thing to have a beer belly, but when it starts like encompassing your whole being, keep an eye out for that. Uh, reduced sexual desires and increased sexual dysfunction. Guys don't want to talk about that, but I'm not have, I'm not saying, hey, come on the show and talk about you can't get your willy up. I'm saying if you've noticed that things ain't clicking the way they should, the if the flag ain't going to full mast and it's only half mast or not even mast at all, if you're master, you get the joke. Um, Take note of that. And finally, any emotional changes, whether you're feeling depressed, if you have less motivation, if you're feeling more anxious, or if you're noticing any of these changes or multiple of them together, you should really go to your doctor and get your levels checked. You know, you'd be surprised. And not only that, but if you're feeling that way, your your levels are within normal range, maybe go get it checked again just to rule everything out. Now, holistically, like if you're hearing this and, you know, you, you don't want to go see your doctor or whatever, but you you kind of have a feeling, there are natural ways to work on your testosterone, including getting more active, losing weight, lifting heavy things, having more sex, eating red meats, or eating uh, deep green veggies. All those things will work. But the problem is when your testosterone levels are low and, and extremely low, losing weight, lifting heavy, gaining muscle, being active... Those are, I don't want to say impossible, but you definitely don't have that motivation and drive to do that. You don't have that hormone in your body. Your whole uh, endocrine system is totally out of whack, so it'll be very difficult to do that. But those are the things you want to do. 
I personally have been having issues with my testosterone levels. That's obviously why I got into it. And um, I've been taking ashwagandha extract and I've also been taking fish oil since about July. Um, I personally haven't noticed any substantial changes in my body or my mood or whatever, but uh, according to some most recent blood test levels, the numbers are up. Now, I have some questions about that. Like I said, go get a second opinion, but my point is get your levels checked, and if you notice your body composition and everything is out of whack, your mood is off, you need to get it checked, and then those are some things that may help. The last thing I want to talk about this week uh, this past weekend, or this past week, I was fortunate enough to attend two separate trainings here in Southwest Florida, and I was exposed to a lot of great information regarding peer support, uh, trauma recovery, and a bunch of related topics for first responders. And I've got a lot of great ideas coming from those trainings. It, it was really great, really got the wheels turning, and I'm currently working on a couple things that I want to work with you guys, and you guys are going to get to witness it all over uh, the next stretch of times, but I want to talk about something real quick. The first thing I want to tell you about is this thing called Resilient Retreat. It's in Sarasota, Florida. Resilient Retreat is a respite where first responders from throughout the United States can visit and participate in holistic programs ranging from single day to overnight to multi-day, as well as virtual programs. They're free of charge and fully confidential. These programs address the impacts of trauma on the mind, body, and spirit. This center is research-based. It was actually started by a research psychologist, and the programs are research-backed as well, and they include support groups, neurofeedback, animal and equine therapy, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, time in nature, as well as art and music therapies. Definitely very interesting. If you're local, um, you should go check it out. If you're not local, you can go check them out online because, like I said, they have virtual trainings. And they even said that since COVID, their virtual trainings have just been so popular and more and more people are logging in. I'm going to start going to them as well. They also have this thing called Kind Line Support. Kind Line Support. It's answered by trauma support staff and you just call and you talk to somebody. Uh, there's no follow-up. You can be anonymous if you'd like. You can leave a name if you'd like to as well, but there's no pressure for you to give your name or where you're from or whatever. And it, it's great it, if you want to vent and you want a compassionate ear. They do have resources if you want that. Like, hey, uh, you know, I'm in Wisconsin and uh, I need this kind of assistance. They'll look it up. They have access to Google and they'll help you out with stuff like that. But if you just need to talk, if you're like, hey, you know, uh, I just closed. Um, the example they gave us in the training was, um, I just closed out this call and it's kind of affecting me. I need to just talk it out with someone before I go to my next call. And they will literally do it. They do have specific hours. So you got to check it out to figure out where it is for your time zone. Again, they're in Florida. They're on the East Coast. But um, you can kind of get an idea. The number is 941-343-0039. 941-343-0039. For more information, you can also go to the website, resilientretreat.org. I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes in the Instagram post as well as on the different platforms. So just look it up, resilientretreat.org. And that is it, folks. That's the episode for this week. 
Uh, check us out next week as we celebrate my birthday. That's right. We are celebrating 33 years or 30, well, 32 completed cycles around the sun in the beginning of my 33rd year. Uh, and it's going to be with my good friend, Kevin Pakenkop. He is a dispatcher and the author of a cookbook called Badass Cookery. Uh, we talk all about food. You're going to hear about my cooking. You're going to hear about restaurants I like and everything in between. It is great. If you haven't heard our first episode together from last year, go check that out. But this one uh, is special. I think it's really good. Until then, check out my merch store. Check out I Am Pits. Rate, review, and subscribe, and share this episode. And as always, take care of each other. Stay safe. 10-8. Out. Multiple. Multiple.